Hey gang, happy October 18th, 2019. It is what, 10, no, uh, uh, 12, 13 days until Halloween and it's already in the air and I can feel the electricity burning out there, people getting ready for their costumes. I can't wait for it. What are you gonna be? Jason. I'm going to be myself because I scare myself sometimes, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to try to be a gladiator again. That's just a, that's like gay boy 101 costume. No, if we're talking Halloween, uh, I'm the kind of guy that kind of just hides in his house and tries to shut off all the lights and make sure that nobody comes up to the doorstep asking for candy or anything like that. <laughs> like, stay away. <laughs> okay. Obviously, you're in the suburbs because in, in West Hollywood, that is not what we do. We, 400,000 Santa Monica Boulevard. That's what we do. All right, gang, let me tell you what we got going on today because we got a great lineup of guests coming on the show. We're going to start with Marna Deitch. Marna got a recognition from the city of West Hollywood, a lesbian of the year at the annual Gay Pride celebration back in June. And she is one of the original Dykes on Bikes. And, you know, every great parade for the LGBT community starts out with the Dykes on Bikes. And so I'm really happy to have one of the prima Dykes here on the show talk about her, her activism in the lesbian community and the LGBT community. And then uh, following that, uh, a return guest, Kyler O'Neill, who is a transgender uh, poet and actor and artist. She's been on the show before. She's absolutely stunning, beautiful, inside and out. And uh, she's just launched a new book of some of her poetry. And I, I'm curious to see if her poetry reflects the two spirits that are within her. She's just an extraordinary woman. Look forward to seeing her again. And then a little taste of Halloween early. Uh, Fred Aarons, uh, Fred and Jason, is going to come by and talk about Halloween 14, which is the annual huge Halloween bash here in Los Angeles. Every year, you, somewhere around 1,500 to 2,000 costume people get together, raise money for charity in the LGBT community, and it is always a blast. So look forward to getting an update from Fred. And then we're going to finish the show off with Ed Hansen and August Bernardichu. Uh, Ed's here in Los Angeles. He's an octogenarian. I think he's a spry 83 years old. And um, August is from New York City, and I think he's a spry 23 years old, or a wise 23 years old. And they have started this project about intergenerational dialogue of getting elders and millennials to talk don't even look at me, Jason. I am not an elder yet. <laughs> You're going to say, oh, we do that every week, John. <laughs> it's the normal, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm in between millennial and elder. At least I think I'm in between. <laughs> so uh, anyway, that that's our lineup for the week. And then, of course, next week will be our annual Halloween show. And it'll be my producer, Jason Yazin's one-year anniversary. Hey! Yay! <laughs> it was so great. One year ago, he stumbled through that door. And what happened? And I said, our first guests will be lesbian witches. Oh my Welcome gosh. to Sidebar with John Duran. <laughs> it was quite the welcoming. Yeah, it was but, uh... quite the eye-opener, exactly. But, you know, Halloween is a great holiday for the yes, LGBT yes, yes. people and everybody. Everybody loves Halloween. This is Halloween. Halloween. I'm going to go oh, I love Tim song. Burton on you. We're going to play it later. We're going to we play are, it for Fred are. and Jason. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that's our lineup for the day. And uh, we'll get started with Marna after the break. But before we get there, I just need to say a couple of words about what's going on right now. Because, you know, LGBT LGBT people, of course we care about civil rights and discrimination and hate crimes and HIV and AIDS and substance abuse and everything that, you know, uh, burdens or, we're, or we celebrate in our community. But we also care about the world and the fate of the world. And the fate of the world is looking really bad at the moment because the Donald... Oh, the Donald sent out a tweet, green-lighted Syria to take over Kurdish territory, displaced Kurds from their homeland, a historic homeland, um, gave them five days to get out. Uh, they didn't realize it, with one tweet he could do that. The Kurds now feel betrayed. The Green Berets, U.S. Green Berets, are ashamed and embarrassed. They're retreating, blowing up bases because there was no exit strategy on how to get out of that area of Syria. And Vladimir Putin has moved in, cuddled up to the Kurds, giving him a relationship now in the Middle East and a land bridge to the Mediterranean Sea, which he's always wanted. How's that for a Russian asset? Nice going, Donald. So, uh, of course, nobody's happy about it, and a bipartisan Congress condemned it, with two-thirds of Republican members of the House joining all the Democrats to condemn it, and it finally looks like Mitt Romney and Lindsey Graham and Lisa Murkowski Republican senators are finding their gravitas and calling the Donald out for what he is, a traitor 
bitter and treacherous and monstrous. And so it's just brewing up towards impeachment time. I can feel it coming in the air. So your Halloween, Donald, may be in for a big surprise. Thanks for tuning in here on Sidebar with John Duran on Channel Q. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Steppenwolf, Born to be Wild. (laughs) Marta Dietz, that's the song I picked for you. Because I think when you came out back in the 70s, when I came out back in the 70s, that was it. Born to be Wild, baby. That was it, yeah. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi, John. What year did you come out? Well, it depends on your definition of come out. Okay. But I guess officially it would be 1979. 79. Yeah. I came out, yeah, 79. I, I was sort of, you know fiddling around <laughs> yeah. before that, but officially like told myself yeah, I was 79. Well, we tend to use that phrase like it's one specific thing coming out, and right. it isn't. You have to come out first to yourself yeah. before you can come out to other people, and that's a whole process it, also. A whole process. I did the whole born-again Christian thing and tried that, tried Jesus and guitar music, and that didn't stick, and uh. then, you know, tried dating girls, and that was over by 9 o'clock with, you know, nobody having a good time, <laughs> and so <laughs> eventually I found my way to Studio One, but yeah. That's another story. 79, where were you? I was in college in upstate New York, State University of New York, Oswego. Wow, wow. And actually, the the first one in my family that I came out to was my brother, who had just graduated from Binghamton, was down in Washington, D.C. Uh, for his grad studies. But he came up for my graduation, and we decided to take some time alone together from our folks, because both of our parents were ill, and subsequently they both died the following year. Mm. But we were talking to each other about how our parents' illnesses were affecting us. And my brother started avoiding a topic, and it sounded like a very familiar avoidance. And I said, Phil, tell me everything. And he got very dramatic. He said, you don't want to know everything. At which point I knew, and I said, tell me everything. He just, said, just on that, I know he's coming out. <laughs> he sounds like a gay dramatic moment. Exactly. I'm gay. He said, okay, I finally fell in love, and his name is also Philip. <laughs> and I cracked up laughing. He was so hurt that I was laughing, and I said, you and I go through the same experiences at the same time, and her name's Luann. <laughs> Touche. Yeah. Touche. That's awesome. Yeah. So what was your first introduction then to finding community? Was it a center? Was it a lesbian coffee house? Was it, how did you and... uh, I think I was luckier than most because I was, uh, well, I was a psych major, but I was a theater minor. And I discovered theater back in junior high, high school. And my high school actually had a very professional theater department. Mm. Uh, Many of our graduates are actually well-known in the industry now. So I think I had an introduction to community before many others did. So for me, coming out was just... What's the address of the bar? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's for me, too. The The bars yeah. and the baths. The bars and the baths were where I found community, initially. Yeah. Well, for men, you had that other option. For right. women, we didn't. Right. It was the bars or the bookstores. Oh, yes, of course. With and all the lesbian uh, fiction and lesbian books. And exactly. Well of yeah. Loneliness and mm-hmm. uh, Chris Williamson and lesbian yeah, the music. music festivals. And, yeah. Yeah, with Robin Tyler and I, all that time. Oh, yes. All I the... love the music <laughs> festival that Robin organized back then. <laughs> and then you, you left New York and you came to Los well, Angeles? Well, I or? started... I came out in New York. I lived in New York through the early 80s. I moved Mm. here 85, the very end of 85. Okay. So the city of West Hollywood had just become a city. Yes, November 84. In fact, we're coming up on our 35th anniversary next month. I know. I cannot believe it. Yes. And I've been there for 30 of the 35 years. You've been there since the beginning. I've been there since just after. Yeah, one year shy. Wow. I was watching the news of it at home in my apartment in New York. And at the time in New York City... You know, my folks had just passed away five years ago, and I was a New York stage actor. So right after my parents died, all of a sudden, I was losing all of my friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, Same here, same here. And I lost friends to a disease called GRID, Mm -hmm. which a lot of our readers, uh, listeners rather, need to be educated on that, that that's what we called it before it was AIDS. Gay-related immune Immune deficiency. deficiency. Yeah. And then it became AIDS. So I was so heartbroken. And then the final straw was one friend of mine 
when I disappeared, uh, he was missing for six weeks, I was put in charge of the civilian hunt. And um, when he finally floated in the Hudson River six mm. weeks later, I said, mm. that's it. I have to leave New York. Mm. I, every street was a memory. Mm. Um, so I saw the news about this becoming a city. Mm-hmm. And made the decision. We both got a similar clarion call. I was living in Laguna Beach uh, when the city was incorporated. Very happy homo in Laguna Beach. And I met John Heilman and Steve Schulte, two of the original council members. But I was going through, like you described it, just so many hundreds of guys in Laguna all dying at the same time. And I just couldn't take it anymore. And, you know, I was telling Steve Schulte, okay, you guys need to run for a higher office and you need to run. And he's like, because I was a little twink, you know, with an attitude. He's like, John Duran, you got so many opinions. Why don't you just move to West Hollywood and come help us? And I said, all right, I will. <laughs> and Perfect. off I went. I moved to West Hollywood in the 90s. 90s when I got there. So you've been part of the Dykes on Bikes for how long? Well, um, my favorite part of the parade, by the way. <laughs> my favorite part of the parade. I hear that from most people. I love it. Uh, actually, that story that I just told was the start of my motorcycle life. Um, when my friend did float in the Hudson River, his lover of six years, who was actually my date to my high school prom, George, said, you're moving to California, aren't you? I said, yeah, I'm out of here. And he said, can I go with you? And I said, George, I'd love it. And he said, how'd you like to go by motorcycle? What? And I said, you're crazy. Yeah. Neither one of us have even been a passenger on a bike. <laughs> and he said, I know. I said, oh, let's do it. New York to L.A. on the back of a motorcycle? Not on the back. Oh, no, oh, no, no, no. Oh, no. Of course. I was talking oh, about please. George. I was talking about George. I thought George might have a cheetah <laughs> scarf on his neck on the Good back save, of Good save, John. Good save. <laughs> well, we both took a few lessons. We yeah. both luckily passed our tests, and we left New York. And my first year, I rode back and forth from New York to California three times. Wow. So at that time, it was 1985, being a woman on a motorcycle was still so rare. Right. And being a woman who went cross-country. Now, George, halfway through the first trip, it wasn't for him. He stopped, so I went on alone. What we didn't know is that George had uh, HIV, HIV yes, and AIDS, sick. and we oh. lost him a few years later. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. So... Wow. So let me think. So Christopher Street West started in 1970. Yes. So this was about, you know, I guess uh, Six, seven, 15 eight. years into, was, were the Dykes on Bikes a part of the parade at this point? or? You... I remember when I first came to West Hollywood, the uh, Dykes on Bikes, which also your listeners need to know, is actually a trademark name. Okay. And it's owned by pretty much the San Francisco group. Okay. And they have chapters around. Uh, they, it was... Uh, Sonny Wolf, who went to the Supreme Court to earn the trademark, has always allowed me to use the name as I need it, but I never actually started a chapter here. Uh, and I'll go into that in a second. But yeah. I remember when I first came here, I didn't really ride with them. And the motorcyclists were in the middle of the parade. Bad we idea. Were in a, oh, Bad horrible idea. idea. Yeah. And they need lots of room, not geography, oh, yes. in order to stay up. Yeah. We need the room in order to control our clutch hand so that we don't hit anyone. Right. And that's exactly what happened. I think one of the motorcyclists got out of control. They hit the float in front of them, which... Down went go-go boys oh, everywhere. <laughs> well, it was a, yeah, that would have been a bowling alley. But um, if I'm right, they hit the Reverend Troy Perry's oh, float. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I need to verify that. Oh, I funny. need to verify that I'll it was his Troy that. next. He comes on the show from time to time. I'll have to ask yeah. him. Yeah, it was either him or Morris, mm. uh, but Morris, Morris Kite. Kite. Yeah. Uh, and because of that, we were kicked out of the parade for quite a few years. <laughs> and um, uh, in 19, I can't remember if it's 93, 94, uh, Vivian Escalante and I fought the Pride Parade people to allow us to come back and ride in the front. Wow, wow. Let me think, would that have been uh, Rodney Scott? No, it was before Rodney Scott. It I think it was just Joe before Toy Rodney. Or I, I used to know I all, can't the, all the presents. It's been a long time. Yeah. I'll remember later tonight and I'll text you, whatever <laughs> it was. So that's when the uh, Dykes on Bikes got back. That's when we parade? moved to the front, yeah. And we oh, moved back. to the front. Yeah. And came back. And came back. And came back. Wow. Yeah. Now, I know the, the guys have the Seder Club, I think, is yeah. uh, the guys on motorcycles. But there's something about having women on these big, powerful, loud mm. engines revving up the beginning. It's just oh, like, yeah. oh, the parade is happening. <laughs> <laughs> it's electrified. It is. It's electrified. I yeah. think because it goes against 
Well, <laughs> this it's, is odd to say. It goes against type if you think of motorcyclists. But if you think of the gay community, it's it's actually a cliche. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although I don't know a lot of gay men who are really skilled at uh, uh, riding a motorcycle. Back of the motorcycle, yes. I have been on the back. <laughs> I've held on for dear life, the holding on to the back of that motorcycle seat. But uh, that's uh, that's amazing. Wow. And I know there was a, a controversy, I guess... Was it a couple of years ago? You and I were involved because another group wanted to take the front of the parade, and and I we I remember this this compromise was they got to go first, and then we let them get out of the way, yeah. and then the dykes on bikes started the parade. And um, actually, that that's a very good point to bring up if I have time to talk about you it. Get about the twenty break. seconds, and then we're going to go to break. So you want to hold it till we I get want back? to hold it. Yeah, hold it till we get back. We'll talk about dykes on bikes when we come back. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in here on Sidebar with John Duran on Channel Q. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Chris Williamson's sister. I picked that song for you too, mm. Marna. I picked oh, that wonderful. song for you. I love Chris <laughs> Williamson. Marna Deach, lesbian activist, 40 years in the LGBT community. That's what we're talking with. You can find her on Twitter at Marna Deach, correct? I, I found you on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I need to use my Twitter account more. Actually. Yeah, you should use it every you now should, and then. Yeah. <laughs> we were just talking about uh, the uh, Dykes on Bikes being and their position in the first right. in the parade. Well, first I want to say that um, I don't go anymore by Dykes on Bikes for LA because, as I said, it's a trademark name. But back when I was one of the organizers for the Resist March, I felt if we're fighting for equal rights, I don't want us to separate anymore the motorcyclists, women and men. We're fighting for everyone. So I've changed us to the Motorcycle Contingent for Equality. Oh, look at that. And that's wow. actually how ABC announced us last year huh. for the Pride Parade. Oh, yeah. wow. So that's the name very, I go by very, now in L.A. Very, very cool. I didn't get to watch the coverage of ABC. It was the first national broadcast I know of an yeah. LGBT parade. And then they did them all over the country. Yeah. And I was so worried that the commentators weren't going to catch the nuances or the detail. Well. And I didn't get to watch it after. But. I, I did work with the ABC crew directly, and they were wonderful to work with. I, I will say that at the parade, they might have announced us not quite the way that I wanted yeah, and I wanted to clarify I that about. yeah I wanted to say what I wanted them to realize is that when even though we do seem to have one political direction it appears we're not we're a representation of everyone in the country so what I'm saying is that the motorcycle condition for for equality we're not red. We're not blue. We're red, white, and blue. Mm. I got that from Brian Pendleton during the resistance. Oh, March. I love Brian Pendleton. Yes. He's awesome. I got to get him on the show. Oh, he's, he's wonderful. A, he's a wonderful guy. Yeah. But if you come against the rights of one of us, you come against us all. Right. So basically, I was saying, we're not Democrats, we're not Republicans. And that's what I wrote. They kind of hit the word Republicans very strong. Mm. So it made it sound like, we're Republican. So oh, that's, yeah, I, yeah. I, I wanted to clarify that. That's a minority within the minority. Yes. <laughs> now, if you are out there, uh, motorcyclists that want to support us for Gay Pride, you can find us on Facebook at Motorcycle Contingent for Equality. There you go, MCE. MCE. Oh, good, yeah. <laughs> See, if a gay man had done it, we would have made the acronym spell something. You know, <laughs> lesbians know, are just very practical. <laughs> MCE. <laughs> I love that. You've got 40 years of doing stuff. I know the city of West Hollywood gave you the Melissa Etheridge Award, yeah, right? That 2019. Nice. That was nice, recognizing yeah. your 40 years. But I remember you... When I used to eat at the greenery, when the mm. bars would close down, oh, yeah. and I would go for food at the greenery, which is now long gone. Oh, you do remember uh, me for that. And yeah. you were working at the greenery back then. I was. Then. I was actually the first woman that they ever hired. Wow. Because it was a very strong gay men's yeah. diner. Yeah. All I knew, it was a 24-7 diner. And I came from New York City, working 24-7 diners, the Empire Diner, which was very popular in New York. Yeah. And they wouldn't hire me. I'm like, but... But I really want a job here. I'm sorry, we're not hiring you. So I just kept on going back. 
And I think I finally just wore them down. Which is so great. Which is so great. We're actually, I'm participating. They're making a documentary of the history of Studio One next week. Oh, wow. And, you know, there's a lot of history there because we were, as a community, lesbians and gay men were finally starting to find each other and make linkages. Yeah. And, you know, had it been, there had been policy, no girls allowed in all boys space yeah. and no boys allowed in all women's space. I mean, and there was a lot of separatism, yeah. not to mention race and class. We were just not crossing over each other. New York, at least you have a Subway. Everyone's got to get on the subway in L.A. <laughs> but New York was segregated also. Mm. There was the men's bars that the women were not allowed in. When my friend disappeared and I had to search for him, they actually let me in. And I wow. felt like I was in this private club. Wow. But I, there was a, pretty much a reason for that. Times have changed. Yeah. But at the time, because it was so difficult for us to find our community and find our love. Yes. To wow. have it separate was sort of needed. Now, and especially for women, because a friend of mine worded it well. Uh, he said, a gay woman in a straight men's bar, I mean, I'm sorry, a gay woman in a gay men's bar, well, any woman in a gay men's bar, at the worst is an annoyance. <laughs> a straight man in a gay woman's bar, at the worst is a physical threat. Oh, So wow. at the time, we needed our separate. Yeah. But as times changed and laws changed, we had to adapt with it. Yeah. And the studio was very slow in adapting. I remember that. Part of that was be, uh, the owner, Scott Forbes, was very yeah. much in the, the old school. But when he passed, I mean, studio didn't make it much beyond that. But it, it, was, uh, it was a place to look for sex. Yeah. And so that's really what it was about. So having women there was kind of like, oh, now we've got to act. An annoyance. Now we got to act dignified. <laughs> <laughs> now we got to keep all our clothes. On. Yeah. There's women here. <laughs> it has changed. It, it has. I mean, I, I walk down Santa Monica Boulevard today. Everything's mixed. LGBT people are just mixing with their straight friends. They are. You know, they are. And, and it is wonderful. That at is the same what we time, fought for. That's exactly. what we fought for. We fought for it, and at the same time, now we're losing something because of it. Yep. And I think one of the biggest things we, we're losing is when things happen and we need to find each other to. To, to to protest or to even just support each other, we don't have it anymore. Yeah. We used to just run to the bars, like when Harvey Milk, and bless his heart, I think it was Harvey Milk that actually was the one who said, we need to make Castro the center. When things happen, tell people to meet at the Castro. Right. Well, we, and we all, we made it at the corner of Santa Monica, San Vicente. Exactly. Whenever something happens, go to that corner. Yeah, oh. and New York had Christopher Street. Of course. We still have the Santa Monica Strip, but... It's not the same. It's not like one central place for us to get our information. Right. And I think that's one of the hardest things that all organizations right now are having, how to get the word out. Yeah, I mean, looking at young people today, and there's a couple sitting in the room as we speak, <laughs> it's all on their phones. I yeah. mean, it's all on the phone. It's all on social media. It's all on Twitter. It's all on Facebook. And I tell people, you know, back in the old days, <laughs> we used to have to print flyers and then and go to the up. bars and hand them out. Like, you know, it was so old school. Yeah. There was something I'm thinking maybe what that. we need to do is organized uh, uh, Cleve Jones yeah. for Harvey Milk actually had like a phone tree organized yep. and maybe we can do that again with text yeah. Like we text two people, they text two people. Maybe we can start getting the word out that way. Yeah, it's amazing to me. I mean, the level of communication. Now, the, the good and the bad side is the internet and social media, while it has increased our communication, it's also increased the potential for false information to get yes. out there. And I don't, I just, I think there are right wingers that sometimes try to pollute our, our oh, rivers and streams. So. And so I'm always really hesitant. Yeah. There's an event tonight in West Hollywood. The Law Cabin Club is having George Papandello, I can't even say his name. <laughs> Name. The guy who the guy who had to go to prison over yeah. Trump world. Papad thank you, Papadopoulos, yeah. <laughs> as their speaker. So of course the LGBT community, the left, they're organizing a protest, and I'm watching both sides organize mm. online, and I have no idea how many people are going to come. You know? It's going to be interesting. Yeah, it, it'll yeah. be interesting to see what happens. I don't know. You know what? Part of the, I, one of the things I get as city council in West Hollywood is, what are you going to do about all the straight people at the Abbey? What are you going to do about all the straight people in the gay bars? It's like, whoa, time out. You know? Yeah. If you demand equality, you've got to extend you it. it. You've got to extend it. Yeah. You've got to be treat people equally. And then if you want your space, you have to make your space. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. You know, so Little Frida's. Remember Little Frida's, the lesbian coffee house in oh, San Marcos? Yes. So it went out of business. Yes. And I learned why, in part, is because lesbians would go in, they'd buy one cup of coffee, and they'd talk for three hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the it tables actually, would never turn over. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't so sustaining. In fact, we actually did throw a lot of uh, fundraisers for it. Oh, very cool. I do want to, though, go back to one thing we were saying uh, about the fact that when the motorcycles were be behind in the parade, part of it was because the group that needed 
needed to get focused that year was the trans community because so many of our trans brothers and sisters and especially our trans women of color are being murdered at yes. an alarming rate. Yes. So we did put them up front. Now yes. I did have to hold the motorcycles back far because it was very dangerous to be right, that right. behind that. But yeah. I want to make sure our, our listeners are aware of that problem. In the last like half a minute we got left, optimism is your big thing. I want to have a call. Um, so many people have a call for action. I need us to have also a call for optimism to remember that when we do continue to show up, we do eventually win. We might lose these little battles, but we will win the war as right. long as we don't say, oh, there's nothing I can do. Right, right. Keep showing up. It's a call for act- optimism. You're absolutely right. And only because we have four decades, we know two steps forward, three back. Exactly. Two forward, sometimes three forward, two it's back. It's like a spring. Yeah. Pull us back, yeah. and we're going to zoom forward. There you go, exactly. Marta yeah. Deitch, it was a pleasure having you on. Thank you Thank for you, being part of our gathering of our history and history. I appreciate it. When My we pleasure. come back, we'll be hearing from Kyler O'Neill on the launching of her new book and her poetry here on Channel Q. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's so hard to cut Joni Mitchell off, Jason. I know you're pointing at me like, start talking, but I love Joni Mitchell so much. Both Sides Now. I picked that for you, Kyler. Both Sides Now, the beautiful poet, Joni Mitchell, songwriter, singer. She was amazing, as are you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Welcome. Good to have you back. Kyler's been on the show before. We well, I forgot what we were doing. We were doing transgender issues or it something. It was, um, I believe it was Black History Month. Black History yes. Month. That's what it was. Yes. That, oh, my God. That was a year ago. It Was it? Oh, yeah. Wow. Time flies, man. Time flies. No, it was February. Black History Month is February, yeah. so it was okay. Almost. eight months ago, almost, almost, yeah. almost a year ago. Yeah, but enough. you're back now because you have launched a book of your poetry. I have. And yes. Th- thank you for bringing me a copy. It's called Pity Party, a collect a collection of poems by Kyler O'Neill. Oh, yes. And I asked you if you'd come and read one for. Will you read one for us? Absolutely. All We're right. going to kick things off with this um, piece written. It's titled "When It's Not You, Part Two. You look in the mirror and curse yourself endless times. Why didn't they want you, you try to realize. Insecurities and self-hate grow stronger. You doubt yourself before leaving home a bit longer. Get slight anxiety when meeting someone new. Terrified you'll relive what you always go through. We'll snap at any sign of a repeat heartbreak offender and get labeled as crazy long before one who's broken, guarded, and tender. We'll make endless comparisons trying to see what the winner has over you and how you should be. Still, you've been conditioned to keep hope till you find that long-term validation that'll help ease your suffering mind. Till then, your experiences will haunt your mind and imbue. You'll continue to tear yourself to pieces, searching for answers when it's not you. Wow, that was gorgeous, Kyler. Thank you. Yes, yes. Where's the applause button? Yeah, you got, you know Mr. What? Producer, you got an applause button over there. Hit the applause button. We give you buttons. There you go. Oh, you guys. Oh, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. That was really beautiful. That was beautiful. Thank you. So, I'm I'm imagining your life and your growing up in a very religious, very conservative religious household, mm-hmm. and being you know a young trans child, not mm-hmm. really sure how the world fit together. Mm-hmm. A lot of those feelings that you were expressing there, I'm guessing that's kind of related to that. But what, what else inspired that particular work? So, um, rejection can be a brutal pill to swallow in all forms. You know, when you don't get the guy or the girl or the job or the role or whatever, you try to make sense of it. And usually, at least with myself, I usually end up tearing myself to pieces. Like, why wasn't I picked for this role? Why didn't that guy want me? Why did I get ghosted? Mm. Um, And then I have this terrible habit of comparing myself to who I see as, quote unquote, the winner. Um, So that's what, and it could be for whatever reason. It could be gender, race, uh, whatever reason. So I put that together um, from my experiences and I noticed that other people, even though it may have not may not have been the same experience as mine, shared that that similar mindset. 
Yeah, you know, I have this theory with Grinder that, you know, if I had on 10 people and two respond, I'm winning. <laughs> That's kind of the way I look at it. But I, I will tell you that, you know, when I first uh, Sarah converted back mm-hmm. in the, and found out I was positive back in the 90s, mm-hmm. the rejection that came from that was, you know, so devastating. It was like, guys, I've got it like everybody else mm-hmm. and suddenly people didn't want to date and they didn't want to talk and they started avoiding me and it was like this is really screwed up it's tough yeah 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 and i think that's part of you know how did we then respond to that well i ended up at the bottom of a vodka bottle <laughs> not mm-hmm. the healthiest way to respond to that yeah. you write beautiful poetry i think that's wonderful yeah for me uh creativity has always been my outlet because drugs scare me and alcohol i think is it's too bitter for my taste buds to <laughs> handle or tolerate. So yeah, yeah. I just create a bunch of things. And I I had this pocket full of poems that I had written throughout the years from college to present day when I was in New York working at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, bored at the desk writing poetry. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to put all these pieces together and create a book hmm. and share it with people. And they're all, it's predominantly sad poetry. But um, I wanted to reach everyone no no specific demographic but everyone who has gone through because there's something in here for everyone to relate to and I wanted to put this all together and share it with the world and actually one of the pieces that's in here I turned into a song oh really (laughs) yeah one of the pieces in here is a song it's it's titled Satan's Tears (laughs) okay just in time for Halloween (laughs) I know I know it's titled Satan's Tears Preacher Girl Preacher's Kid wrote a song called Satan's Tears (laughs) and it's available on Apple Music iTunes Spotify all the things but that's interesting because the thought of giving Satan, which is supposed to be all evil or seen as something evil mm-hmm. and terrible and that monstrous, label, that label, to yeah. give that caricature emotion yes. or exactly. tears or the ability to feel, exactly. that's a real twist on everything. You caught it. I caught it. You I caught, caught it. it. No <laughs> one catches it. They're like, so what do you mean? And you caught it. Well, I got exorcised in, what was it, what year was it? 1989, a group of fundamentalists, I was representing the first gay pride parade in Orange County, and a group of fundamentalists surrounded me, and they were like, Satan out, Satan out, and they tried to exorcise me. I had to get a police escort to my car. This was 30 years ago. It was that's a very awful. different time. Yeah. Tell me, we... Have less than a minute, but if people want to get more information on your book or your song, your website or absolutely, just visit kyleroneal.com for all things Kyler related. There's a link to the book, which is available now on Amazon. Pity Party, uh, the song Satan's Tears is also on the website, and a, a link to my Instagram is on my website as well. Well, I want you to come back, and I want Satan's Tears to be your intro song. Absolutely, the next time you come back, I will. Yes, <laughs> I would love to do it. You know, in fact, I, I in a few weeks I'm going to do a show focusing on the number of Black transgender women that are yeah. disproportionately being murdered and brutalized in yep. this country. My life expectancy is 33, so I'm trying to create as much as I can while I'm still here. Okay, you're going to be here a long time. <laughs> You've got a lot of big brothers protecting you. <laughs> a lot of big brothers. You'll be here a long time. But when we have that show, maybe if you're free, I'll get you to come on and join the conversation. I will be here. Okay, that would be awesome. Gang, when we come back, we'll be hearing from Fred Aarons of Fred and Jason about Halloween 14. Thanks for tuning in here on Channel Q. Selling a little... Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this is halloween halloween i love this song halloween halloween (laughs) 
Gang, we're going to get a taste of Halloween early because Fred Aaron's uh, Fred and Jason is here. Hey, hey, hey. We're talking about Halloween E14. Yes, sir. Yes, I'm so excited. The big... Thank you for the... <laughs> now you I'm on the room. Now you no. find the applause button. <laughs> All right. We're excited. Halloween E14 is next weekend? Next yeah, week? a week from today. A week we're from... We're seven oh, days out, yeah. Seven days mm-hmm. out. Wow. Yep. And how many people this year? I think we're going to just hit exactly where we did last year, just around 2,500 people. 2,500? I said yeah. 1,500 before you came on. 2,500 <laughs> Well, that's the goal. That's the goal. I mean, we, we, uh, we're we doing pretty well with sales. This actually is the first year we sold out VIP this early. Uh, on Wednesday of this week, we finally cut the sales off. So That is um, awesome. We're very, very uh, grateful to such a... You know, great amount of people that you know support this this event. All right, now you and your husband Jason, this started in your house. Yeah, Halloweeny one was <laughs> one, in your two, and house. three was at our house. Yeah, and you raised what did you have like fifty people, hundred people? No, at your I house, think the or? first party was like a couple hundred people. We um, it was our friends, people from the gym, you know, right. people we knew from around town, and um, yeah. you know, we we had gone to uh, an event at Tad Brown's house, um, and uh, it was benefiting the, uh, the Gay and Lesbian Center. And uh, anyways, it was a, in a, a very emotional uh, event. And we, at that moment, looked at each other and we're like, we have to do something like this. We have to create something that can uh, benefit the community. We have right. kids out there that need need help, need services. And uh, we're like, let's do Halloween parties. Yeah. And you were, weren't you leaders in like the youth council so, of the and, center or something we, like that back then? Yeah, Jason and I were two of like, eight to ten guys and girls um, that started the Young Professionals Council. Young Professionals Council. Yeah, that was and, it at uh, the center. Yeah, at the center. So that was with Tad, Tad Brown and Bart Vary that got us in like you did when years later with the chorus. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you were young back then. Well, we were <laughs> younger. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And have you ever sat down and calculated how much money Halloweeny has raised in 14 years? I mean, uh, no, but um, we've been told we've just from Halloweeny and a few other events that we have done um, I think we're at a couple million yeah which yeah. is awesome yeah and I know the Gay and Lesbian Center has benefited the current charity is the Gay Men's Chorus of exactly. Los Angeles for the last like five six years uh, we've been doing with the chorus yes for um, their youth program exactly a live we, music project exactly Jason's a school teacher um, obviously it's, you know kids mean a lot to me as well but we knew that we needed to get to the kids before they called the Trevor Project. We needed to make sure we um, can reach out to them in some way, and, and the Game of Course did that wonderfully with their live music project and their It Gets Better tour, and currently their um, uh, Arts for Incarcerated Youth. Yes. Kids that are basically at risk um, can hear stories from you know other men, other women, other people in similar situations later in life and to see that life, you know, will get better and, and we, we live fabulous lives. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so. Now, I want to focus on the party itself because I, I have attended, I think, the last 10. Oh, yep. Okay. Same thing. I'm, a, I'm an, either a slave or a gladiator every year. Those are my two costumes, slave <laughs> Wait, or gladiator. is that your costume? Or is it, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is Friday night. You yeah, may true, as true, well true. get warmed up yeah. early. But um, I have seen some of the most creative costumes. I mean, hey. people go all out it, for you Halloween. Know, when we started the party or the fundraiser at our house, we you know went and collected for months things from like the side of the road just to decorate the house all spooky, uh, literally from branches, dead leaves. I mean, just whatever we can find to make it look really cool. Right. Spider was we create these light effects and all this stuff. But when the, the party traveled out and more and more people came and we saw the creativity of the event or of the, of the people putting all this energy and effort literally for the entire year just right, for this for one, one, night, costume, one night we're like you know what we don't need to decorate anymore it's all about the costumes it's all <laughs> yeah. about everybody's you know moment there to like shine to really right. show that they're, you know what they've come up with and tell the story and yeah. it's re- it's really wonderful my favorite Halloween I'm, I'm a little biased was at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery the year we did it at the cemetery that was why I mean that for us us, we say it to this day uh, that it put it on the map. It, yeah. We we learned from that event that we had people flying in from New Zealand, from London, from we had a whole gang come from Montreal. Wow! So the fact that we were international at that point, we're yeah. like, no effing way! This is so <laughs> cool. That yeah. is so. Cool. And so I remember cool. you're like, John, can you get me a couple of cars? <laughs> this is, this that were is amazing. In a car wreck. <laughs> well, because we that's we wanted to make it like you know cool and creepy and scary. But at the same time, we wanted to send a message. We wanted to be like a like kind of a public service announcement. We're like, okay, 
Look at these crazy cars that were actually actually involved in a in a DUI or whatever car. Yeah. Like they were demolished. <laughs> but let's make this our photo opportunity. And, and people, so people were posing around in front it. Of an and, auto but it was it was cool. It's Halloween. It's yeah. it's like you push you know you push the boundaries and make it cool and you know yeah yeah that was that, that was an amazing. And day. knowing you was I mean that was it. I mean how else would anybody be able to get two <laughs> impounded cars that had blood and macabre all over it? Like, and you got them. I got them. <laughs> <laughs> tattered flesh still it was just, Yeah, we had hairs. I was like, what? <laughs> and then a year after that, can, can you get us a coffin? Yeah, and I was I, like, oh, I get coffin. That was That's easy. easy. That's easy. I get you a coffin. <laughs> exactly. Was, no, so, easy. yeah, we've, we've had some really, really great. Every year we try to come up with something different in terms of a theme you know people want to know like how should you know like give them direction on how to dress and what's the theme this year well going back just a little bit is that you know we've for the you know the 13 years we've always tried to make it fun and sexy and cute and you know whatever like any kind of gay history wizard of oz i mean any kind of thing that would make it just fun and playful but this year we're just like you know what i'm kind of sick of being i'm we're, we're all kind of just upset with the current administration and with everything yes. going on in the world and, yes, yep. and we're like you know what F this let's raise a little hell let's let's make this this dark sinister crate I mean it's what Halloween is to a lot of people and we're going to make it all about hell and like and let's raise and let's have some fun and, and, and make make and try to make you know light and make fun of this whole crazy moment we're all living in yeah so next week is our Halloween show it was Jason's one year anniversary Jason became my producer one year ago on hey, Halloween this is true and you guys were on one yeah, we year were on. ago yep. and I had lesbian witches yep. on yep. one year ago and Tyler Cassidy from Hollywood Forever Cemetery one year we ago. love Tyler and that, Jason's like what did I sign up for <laughs> <laughs> first day on the job yes. I walked in lesbian witches all <laughs> Why not? <laughs> but you know, Halloween is that holiday that I think the LGBT community we own. Yeah. We are the children of the night. That is our holiday. No, and absolutely, yeah. and with the support of the, uh, you know our community, we have such incredible sponsors that really allow us to like really raise important dollars for the charity. I mean, you know, it is all about community. Yeah. yeah. Website to, uh, people still get tickets. People can get tickets. Out. Yeah, we have a couple cabanas left still, and we have some general tickets still at Halloweeny.com. That's Halloween I E dot um, and yeah, and yeah, we'd love to. Yeah, yeah. have you. And Obviously, I, you're going to come again. So. I, I was going to go. Yeah. I'm not sure slave or gladiator. I'll figure that out in the <laughs> or next both. week. Or both. Yeah, half and half. <laughs> gladiator I'll slave. Do, I'll do half and half. <laughs> I'm by now. I'll do half and half. Gladiator and slave. Yeah. All right. Fred and Jason's annual Halloween Eve, Velasco Theater, downtown, downtown LA, Los next Friday night. Next Friday night. Be there with 2,500 LGBT. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Johnny. All right. Appreciate it. When we come back, we'll be having a talk with Ed and August about intergenerational dialogue in our LGBT world here on Channel Q. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. All right, guys, I picked that song for you, and I'm guessing, August, that neither you or Jason have no idea who was just singing, do you? Of course. Oh, you do? Yeah. Neil, uh, oh, I, just, I just said it. Wait. I, I had no idea, and I was looking this up last night. I see Old Man in the title. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is clearly not a song that I listen to. Incredible Neil Young. Uh, you knew that, though, right? Right, August? You knew that. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So, great song. We are going to have, uh, we're here in studio now with Ed Hansen, who, Los Angelino, correct? Yes. Thank you. Work here. Thank you. And uh, somewhere in, in the spry over 80 category, yes? Well, 79. Okay, okay, you're getting right up there. And we've got August um, Bernadicu. Did I say that right? Bernadicu. What the heck is that, Jason? <laughs> <laughs> That's me playing with the sounds. Continue. All right. My uh, producer is a little overly caffeinated. Sorry about that. Bernadicu. 
Did I say it right? Bernardico. Bernardico. I'm sorry. And you're from New York City. I am from Stockton, California originally, and now I live in New York. Oh, wonderful. And you went to New York to be actor, Broadway, music? To get as far away as possible. From Stockton, California. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that is far away. You guys have started a pro- Don Kilhefner, who's one of my dear friends for a long time, the Radical Fairies, told me about your project. You guys are starting an intergenerational discussion. Uh, because you, August, you are all of what twenty something, twenty five, twenty five, and and add seventy nine, and you would think you two would never have a reason to talk or communicate or run across each other. And uh, what was the impetus? What started this whole idea concept? You know, Don Kilhefner has been a real advocate of this intergenerational dialogue so that uh, feeling that there's benefit to be brought to a younger generation as well as to the older generation when we talk to each other. And that one of the sad realities of today is that we are not talking to each other that much. Uh, Don, back in 2009, started the Gay Elder Circle, Mm -hmm. uh, hoping that... uh, Men, gay men, older gay men, would recognize that being older uh, offers something further when you decide to become an elder, choosing that role in particular rather than just sort of fading off into the sunset, but having a real care for the community of gay people and what's happening to younger generations and if the adult gay people are really um, seeking to uh, benefit and lead uh, the younger generation. And the elders typically in a community are those that care about the welfare of the community if things are going well for them. And and uh, so they take on that particular role of, of um, looking at what's happening in the world around us and, and how life is affecting younger generations. So he's really been the inspiration for us trying to um, – encourage this communication between the generations and find out what's going on and and how we might be of service, um, how we might offer our life experience and wisdom where it's called for, but probably even more important, how we might really listen to one another and see what we have to teach each other. Mm. August, what got you hooked into all all of this? Uh, Well, I noticed there is probably the most dramatic generation gap going on right now in our community in the sense that in the past 50 years, it's probably been one of the most significant changes in civil rights and a lot of people my age don't know our history either because they think everything is going okay and they didn't know it used to be different or because history is being rewritten to some degree with rainbow capitalism or vested interests. I like that rainbow capitalism that's actually a term that I understand but I've never heard it used but I know what it means that's interesting. Well, wow. so let me do my math here, August. You were born in 1994. 94. Ed, you're 30, 1930. 1940. 40. 1940. Okay. All right. So there you go. So there is a 54 year difference between you. Ed, when you were born, homosexuality was against the law in all 50 states. Yes. <laughs> criminalized. It, it, indeed, it was. It was criminalized. Yeah. So yeah. when you were August age, where were you when you were 24? 25. Uh, that year, actually, I was serving as an intern at the Glide Memorial Methodist Church in San Francisco. Uh, I was a seminary student at Claremont School of Theology and um, was offered this internship year to work in San Francisco with young adults in the Tenderloin District. And um, so I was having the experience of my life. I was married. Uh, My wife and I lived in North Beach and uh, would commute sometimes um, by the cable car downtown to Mm. Glide. And um, it's 1965, if I'm keeping track of my math. You are. So it's the Beatles. Yeah. Is the Beatles? <laughs> it's uh, Bewitched is on television, and uh-huh. Uncle Arthur. Paul Lynn is playing Uncle Arthur, and uh-huh. when you saw Uncle Arthur's character, anything about that character that you went, hmm. <laughs> you know, I. It's interesting that that uh, I knew I had homosexual feelings back then, uh, but I didn't know what being gay was. And uh, that year in San Francisco, uh, where I was working uh, with gay people quite a bit, uh, really helped clarify in my own mind that, yeah, um, I relate 
to this reality very much. And yet I was married and and I was United Methodist clergy and uh, being gay was not an option uh, in terms of uh, serving as a, a pastor. And um, in addition to that, uh, I had made a commitment to myself that if I ever had kids that I would not abandon them as their father but would be with them um, as they grew up, and indeed that's what I did. So I was married for 30 years before my wife and I split up, and um, and then uh, I finally uh, met my partner of now 21 years in uh, 1998. You got the long-term thing down, Ed. I'm yes. just I'm so impressed, one after the other. August, how old were you when you came out to August? I guess that's the first coming out to yourself. Uh, I think when I was in college in San Francisco at the Jesuit University, I recognized sensitivities sensitivity, excuse me, from the Jesuits, but also surrounded by a lot of gay people as well. Those Jesuits, man. It's the frocks. <laughs> it is the frocks, I think. How old were you? 18. 18. All right. So you're 18. You're in San Francisco. Obviously, it's one of the big gay meccas in the country. Did you ever venture down to the Castro to see what was oh, going on? Oh, of course. So University of San Francisco didn't have a college campus with dorms, technically speaking. So we spent a lot of time at the bars. Hmm. And a lot of time in the neighborhood where Reverend Hen- Anson worked uh, when he were, what we were just talking about. Hmm. The tenderloin. Hmm. So this is, uh, you're born in 94, so this is like uh, 2012, right? Am I doing my math here? When, when, yes, 2012. 2012. So uh, jo- uh, Barack Obama is president of the United States when you're coming out. I assume, yes, and and there's all this stuff going on about gay serving in the military is about to become legal, homosexuality is now lawful, and uh, and so your experience then, tell me about it, tell me what it was like, because I mean, you're in a religious order, so were there religious repercussions to your decision? Well, there were actually some out Jesuits okay. at the school, mm-hmm. um, but I remember standing at City Hall in San Francisco and they announced that gay marriage was legalized in America. Wow. Yeah. And that was, I mean, that, well, Prop 8 passed in 2008, and then it was overturned by Supreme Court 2013, I think, is about the timing about right. So when you look at the world, August, as somebody, um, I, I guess gay history is something you read in a book. And to meet somebody like Ed, who uh, was married once and... Uh, member of the clergy and kind of walk through all those battles. I mean, what is that like for you? Well, I think Ed's story is particularly interesting because of being married to a woman for 30 years, but also he spent a lot of his service to gay people breaking down religious stereotypes and serving social justice, you know, in San Francisco, in L.A., in D.C. So he was very active in creating the change that we now have. Hmm. We got to go to commercial break. When we come back, we're going to finish this conversation. I'm going to let the two of you interview one another. I'm going to get out of the way because I'm just a boomer somewhere in between the two of you. Thanks for tuning in, gang, here on Channel Q. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. All right, I'm gonna. Do you know who that is, August? <laughs> Not on that one. Oh, okay. You know Jason because I gave you the title. Right. No, but, but it's a classic. I've listened to it many times. All right. Forever young, yeah. forever young. Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart. Yeah. All right, gang. We are talking to Ed Hansen, who is an Angelino, uh, who's uh, about to become eighty. A big birthday with a zero, and uh, August Benedico. 
And I'll I'm t- close. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> From New York City, who's 25, and their extraordinary project. I did the first part of this interview. I'm going to let you two interview one another, because you guys have a dog and pony show going right now. And you may as well get warmed up for whatever you're going to do in West Hollywood this weekend. Okay, so this is just a preview, but get ready. How have you seen ageism change in your lifetime? Oh, um, you know, part of the problem of growing old is that uh, you can feel like you've been put out the pasture, that you are uh, not don't have the value anymore to the society, that the focus is on the younger generation. And um, so uh, I think that still, personally, I've felt respected as a human being. I, feel, I haven't felt like I've been discriminated against necessarily, but uh, very easy to be ignored, uh, like... Um, uh, you're not where it's happening, so you know you're irrelevant in a way. Um, and this is one of the challenges of, um, I think, seeking to be an elder in the gay community is where has the emphasis is so much on youthfulness and uh, your attractiveness physically. And so whatever whatever wisdom and life experience you have to offer. Um, that only becomes valuable when we engage with one another. So, uh, to me, that's very important that we do engage one another and we listen to each other, and and um, it enhances the value that we who are older have, uh, and it offers to a younger generation uh, the life experience that uh, younger people can bounce against. You know, the kind of. Um, hear what uh, older folks have experienced and how they've handled things, uh, not to provide answers necessarily, but maybe in the dialogue to find answers together uh, that are appropriate and helpful. So, um, yeah, I, I uh, value the opportunity to be in that kind of conversation with a younger generation. Okay, Ed, now what are you going to ask the millennial? I want to uh, ask a millennial anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is what is the greatest barrier you think to uh, a younger generation seeking out and talking to uh, older folks like me? I think the greatest barrier is that people just don't realize young people don't realize how different it used to be, and how you guys were illegal and psychopathological, and all the obstacles you. Ex- just by existing and not even expressing your homosexuality necessarily. And I think since people don't understand that, they don't want to know what it was like. But once we know what it was like, we can use that knowledge to be combative today and survive the present obstacles. Hmm. I, I wonder, okay. you know, given what you... Okay, now look at me. The baby boomers are just going to jump right in. Good. Given the conversation the two of you just had... Uh, August, do you ever feel invisible? Like older people don't take you seriously about what you're thinking or feeling because you're 25? Well, I think I live in a bubble with this project, being in constant communication with gay elders. So I think I am taken seriously. However, spending time at the LGBT center or at different uh, gay events, I don't really see people mingling um, between the two generations. I see kind of the older people in the back and the younger people in the front, and there's really no dialogue. So Mm -hmm. I think that this is why these things are important, because both of us don't think they're happening anywhere else in America, especially in our community. Hmm. Yeah, I'm just going to keep jumping in. You guys, anytime you interrupt me, just interrupt (laughs) me, because I'll just talk. Ask Jason. I'll just talk nonstop till the top of the hour. August, when I was your age, I was a 20, 25, I was hitting all the gay bars and bathhouses in, you know, here in West Hollywood in the 70s and 80s. Old people, to me, um, like 40 above, <laughs> were not important to me because I was out hunting for sex. I was out hunting for a partner or somebody to hook up with. And anything, at least in my mind, over 40 was just not interesting to me. So I just excluded everybody over 40, never trust anybody or never sleep with anybody over 40, and excluded a whole lot of people. Now, that would change when AIDS hit and suddenly we were all forced to figure it all out. But um, you um, have expressed an interest in getting to know people outside of your age category. What is, I'm just curious, why 
what is driving that? What? Well, I just feel like I need to do it. I haven't really, you know, formulated a perfect answer, but it just seems like it's something I need to do because it needs to be done and no one else is doing it. And I know I can do it. And I think with the current marketing, whether it be Instagram or newsletter, I'm able to get both generations involved. Um, yeah. That, I have to tell you, I, um, I rely on millennials for so much. <laughs> Anything that has everything to do with my phone, I cannot figure out. And, and so I have, I have millennials in my life that help me figure out how to make this thing functional. Even Jason here saves my tail every week trying to figure it out. Um, do you, uh, you guys feel sometimes that you have a common language to talk to one another when, you know, on one hand, Ed, you came out when there were absolutely zero presentations right. of LGBT identity in the world. Right. And August is living in a world where his first thing he's remembering is Barack Obama's president of the United States pushing an LGBT civil rights agenda. I mean, how do you find then a common language? Other, I mean, I know it's English, but common experiences to, to start talking to each other. In my experience, I have to begin with uh, listening, with active listening to a younger generation. I, I need to... Uh, let them express for themselves what um, challenges they're facing in their lives and uh, where they are struggling and what their hopes and dreams are. And, and in listening to that, um, it gives me an opportunity then to interact with them and, and offer some of the reflections that I would have about the kinds of things that they're facing. Uh, I've experienced this the most in the Strength for the Journey retreat that I've been working with for the last 32 years. Uh, people living with HIV and AIDS, and uh, this is multi-generational people, of course, that are attending. Um, but I find that a role that can be very effective for those of us that are in the older generation can be to sit and listen and really uh, honor the presence of a younger person by offering them our attention, our concern, our our ear that says we care about you and we're hoping that things are well for you and and in listening we may find that we have a place to connect and and reflect with them on what they're experiencing so that's how I get started in that kind of a conversation hmm. so August 50 years from now when you're Ed's age <laughs> what is it you want to look back and see that you accomplished or did or experienced well, I want to be able to present all the material I have in a more effective way. Some people have 60 hours of tape. Some people have two hours of tape. And right now I'm limited by my format. But I think there's a lot of good material, you know, in in most of the interviews I have that I would like to get presented in a book or online, whatever the future format is. Mm. You guys have it. We have less than a minute, but you guys have an event coming up in West Hollywood this weekend. What is it? Tell tell the audience if you're in Southern California. It's an intergenerational dialogue at the WeHo Public Library main meeting room two through four. There is adjacent parking that's free. We don't think there's anything else like this going on in the nation or in our community. So it's really important to see what our two generations can learn from each other and how we can help each other. Awesome. And if people want more information, you have a website, Twitter. Or yeah, the, go to augustnation.com slash newsletter or Instagram, the LGBTQ History Project. There you go. Or add, they can call you on the phone. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right, gang. When we come back, we'll have concluding remarks. I want to thank Ed Hansen and August Budajiko. Thank you. Something like that for coming on the show. Break a leg, break a nail this weekend at your uh, event. I hope you enjoy it. I hope people enjoy it as well. When we come back, we'll have concluding remarks before Halloween here on Channel Q. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back, gang. Wow, what a fun show we had this week. I 
certainly had a great time with all of my guests, um, uh, starting out with Marna Dietz with her 40 years of activism as a, a lesbian activist with the dykes on bikes, with my favorite part of the parade every year. And and then getting to listen to Kyler O'Neill, who's written her poetry and from her life experiences of being a transgender African-American woman, first in New York and now here in Los Angeles. And then Fred promoting a big Halloween party, 2,500 people. And then finally, the intergenerational dialogue between a millennial and a guy who's uh, almost 80 and uh Wow, it was a great show. Jason, did you like it? Yeah, great show. Yeah. Jason, it's Jason's one-year anniversary with me. And one year ago, I said, our first guest, lesbian witches. <laughs> next week, next week, John. We got to get to the next week. But yes, I walked right in, straight into lesbian witches. It was quite a scene. I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but I knew it was going to be something great. Oh, my God. It has been like that ever since. Next week, we will have our Halloween show, and we are going to have uh, the return of Tyler Cassidy, who uh, this uh, television show Six Feet Under was modeled after his family. Uh, yeah, they're cemetery owners and he has been owning and operating the Hollywood Forever Cemetery along with a few others around the country. But he just moved Judy Garland's body oh from New York gosh. to Hollywood. So I don't know. I love Judy Garland. I saw the movie Judy with Renee Zellweger. Have you seen it? I haven't. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Yeah, I keep forgetting. You're not gay. I'm a okay. millennial you're, and I'm not you're gay. An, you're a millennial and you're not gay. I keep forgetting. But the gay community loves Judy Garland because Judy Garland, mm. she was so pained. I mean, you can hear it in her music or song. She had, had such pain and she was this child star and the studios took advantage of her. She got addicted to drugs. Anyway. Oh, oh yeah. She died at like 47 or 48. Oh, one of your Judy what? Garland fans is going to correct me later. Well, isn't, but. Wasn't that like the average lifespan back then? Or? Okay, you are such, I can't even say, no, the average lifespan back then wasn't 47, my young millennial. Was it like 20-something back no, then? No, it was not. We have a much longer shelf life than 50. Thank you very much. That's a great line from Annie Mame. Well, you know, what's your actual age? Somewhere between 50 and death, because after 50, it doesn't matter. It does matter. I'm a very sexy something. I, oh, God, gang. Yes, I turned the big 6-0 last month. That's still young. It is. It, it, damn right it's young. People are going to 100 and something these days. Hey, so. uh, you know, Madonna is 60. There, there hey. you go. Madonna, and she looks, is, great, she so. looks awesome. <laughs> so that's it. I'm 60, like Madonna. That's how. That's my age. But we'll be focusing on Halloween next week when we're here. Um, Halloween, of course, a very celebrated LGBT uh, event and holiday. And there's a little backstory to that um, because, of course, you know, LGBT people. And we heard it from some of the guests today. When you're in the closet, your life is partially masked, and you have these dual identities and these two lives that you end up living and uh, we get to play make-believe in so many ways that when the holiday comes up October 31st is all about make-believe we just naturally squeeze right into that holiday and we've taken it over and it is ours Danny Elfman thank you for this is Halloween I love that song so gang have a very happy and safe uh, week and I'll be back with you Jason and I will be back next week celebrating the Halloween holiday and uh, in the meantime thanks for tuning in here Sidebar with John Duran on Channel Q.